Okay, hi, it's Elliot Fishman, and we are now live on uh, on Facebook. So, um, hard to imagine, I'm sure you all feel the same way I do, that it's August 1st on Monday, hard to imagine where July went and where the summer is going. It probably meant to all, more to all of us when we were in uh, elementary school or high school and you had to go back to school in September. Now it's not quite going back to school in September, but nevertheless, it does kind of uh, focus on the, the changes and how fast uh, your fellows have been there for almost one month already, 11 more months, you're going to get new fellows. Anyway, um, let's leave that alone for now. Um, the heat, i uh, complaining how hot it is. First it was in the 90s, now it's only in the mid-80s, high 80s. But the humidity is unbelievable, so it's actually pleasant in my office working away, reading and writing and doing all sorts of good things. Um, working here on getting ready for RSNA, hard to imagine, but I'm trying to look at the abstracts, and I'm also late on a on an article I plus to submit to Dr. Blumke at Radiology, so it's kind of a little bit hectic, but nevertheless, all good. Um, and the topic I chose today was AI in pancreatic cancer, what's happening, and as you know, we've been working for five years on AI in pancreatic cancer for early detection or earlier detection, depending how you want to think about it. but. I'm not here to talk about what we've been doing, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything else, but more what I've read about the last few weeks that I think is very exciting. So there was an article published about two weeks ago from Mayo Clinic, basically looking at um, radiomics for early detection of AI using pre-diagnostic scans. So what's pre-diagnostic mean? Well, patients diagnosed today with a pancreatic cancer, it's possible they had scans previously, anywhere between, let's say, three months and three years, roughly. Now, you may have had a scan, you had trauma. Now, sometimes patients have had scans because they had some vague abdominal pain or they had some symptoms, but perhaps nothing was found. And now, of course, you have the cancer diagnosis. Now, sometimes, to be quite frank, you make a diagnosis today, you look, there's a scan from four months ago or from a year ago, and sure enough, there's a subtle lesion present that somebody missed. We spoke about how common misses are things like dilated pancreatic duct, which people don't follow up or don't look carefully at. We all do miss things. Sometimes, you know, oh, there's a little textural change, which in retrospect, when there's a two-sonometer mass present, you can go backwards and say, oh yeah, there was something there, but I have to admit if it came across your desk today, you probably wouldn't say much about it. But what if on those pre-diagnostic scans, you went back knowing the tumor is sitting right here, you go back and you still can't find it. Well, maybe that's not a surprise. It's a pre-diagnostic scan, it wasn't seen. But what if you do radiomics? Remember, we've been pushing radiomics for a while. Linda Chu wrote an excellent article on early detection. We wrote an article on uh, selecting management. Radiomics has had a lot of really good articles in pancreas, liver, kidneys, everywhere else. Now, of course, the problem with radiomics, and I won't go through that in detail, there's a couple of really good articles published in radiology this past year. Everyone publishes in radiomics 50 cases, 100% accuracy. Then the next 50 cases, it fails. Radiomics is very dependent on many things, the scan protocols, the scanner, all these things, which makes, it's just not caught on because you can't have something where you need to be on a certain scanner, do it a certain way, and then only at that time will you have a certain result. That does not seem to be really being practical. But from this Mayo Clinic article, and it's worthwhile reading, it's published in Gastroenterology, 
they basically looked back at pre-diagnostic scans and had the radiologists look. And the radiologists couldn't find lesions, but radiomics with a high degree of sensitivity was able to pick up the presence of a pancreatic cancer. This becomes very important because with radiomics, maybe we need to do radiomics, be it liver, pancreas, kidney, whatever else it is, maybe you need to do radiomics on these quote-unquote pre-diagnostic scans. Maybe you'll see something. Maybe radiomics is gonna be the CT or radiology equivalent of a liquid biopsy. With liquid biopsies are being done, looking at the blood, looking for changes in mRNA, for example, to be able to predict what patients will get cancer. With liquid biopsy, remember you have a tumor the size of your distal, distal phalanx, that's billions of cells. Liquid biopsy is looking at thousands of cells. Maybe radiomics is the equivalent of a liquid biopsy, that perhaps with radiomics, you're gonna be able to predict who's gonna get a tumor way before, and perhaps you'll be able to intervene way earlier to get a very high cure rate. That indeed is very exciting. So this work, Mayo Clinic, they mentioned they're gonna look at another larger cohort of patients. So I think that's indeed very, very exciting. There's been several other articles on pancreatic cancer recently as well, looking at detection, uh, high accuracy of detection of lesions, even under a sonometer, uh, using um, AI with deep learning and CNN convolutional networks. So I think uh, that becomes very, very important. So there's lots of work going on. We're doing work, uh, we're starting, we've been doing it for a while, but full force with Microsoft, looking at cystic pancreatic lesion to determine whether or not we can accurately predict whether a cystic lesion is pre-malignant or has early malignancy or dysplasia. Can we do that at an earlier stage, do it better than clinicians do it, do it better than the current state of the art? So that's very, very exciting. And I think as we speak about AI, AI only becomes really valuable if it makes an impact on patient care. There's lots of things AI can do. And again, it's not the subject for this talk. There are talks we've given already on CTSS. There are talks that are gonna come out the end of the year on CTSS, and the stuff we're working on that we keep adding on CTSS. So we, we believe uh, in AI. We believe in the, we know the challenges of AI, we know the advantages, the disadvantage, what can or can't be done. But I think this work from Mayo, this idea of really pushing things to an earlier stage, not when it's a misdiagnosis. I mean, when someone misses a mass and, and this AI could pick it up earlier, that's great. It'll help your accuracy, but maybe you should have picked it up in the beginning. We're talking about, even if I'm telling you the patient developed cancer, please find the cancer and I can't. That's really, if AI could say there's cancer there and maybe you need to do EUS and biopsy, that's going to make major, major impacts. So let's see. Uh, let's see, who's on the line here? Let me see, Abby Epstein, that's a name out of the past. Abby was, I, met, I, think, I think it's the same Abby who trained at Sinai Hospital when I was a resident, so she must be very old, <laughs> or at least not as old as us. But um, so Abby was at Sinai way back when in the, the glory days. And let's see, John is, uh, John Biacchino, John's home. Uh, John's one of our senior techs. John's 
having, I don't know, a stay vacation. It's just his day off today. Probably he's working this weekend. And let's see, uh, Monteverdi, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's from Nepal. So we, we range from uh, Timonium to Reisterstown, Maryland, to uh, Nepal or and everywhere in between. Um, one of the things, just to let everybody know, uh, that we will continue to really focus on the AI targets, you know, really thinking about, um, you know, what is it that we should be doing uh, in terms of development. I think um, we are looking at ways, and I'm trying to look if I had anything here to show you, but we're looking at ways of really improving our, our techniques of AI, making it more universal. Um, again, one challenge we have is getting data sets. There's some work by Anne-Marie Lennon and the IPMN Global Foundation to help recruit patients or recruit imaging studies. They will support payment for those studies, which will give us more data. I think one of the things in our work always is the need for more data, for varied data, to make sure we're doing things correctly across all data sets and not a subselection of data. We're doing that. I think that becomes very, very exciting. And then the development of new algorithms. So, uh, one of the things um, that Microsoft is doing is with uh, algorithms. People always complain about the black box technique where you don't know why it, um, it gets the, it, the answer even if it's correct. Now, uh, with, they have a clear box or a glass box technique which allows you to look at why the decision was made by the computer and what its prediction was, it allows you to add or subtract different features, which I think becomes very exciting. Now, I will admit, you know, people make a big deal about glass box, and well, they don't, glass box they never heard of, but black box. Now, I understand why people are concerned. You know, if I don't understand how computer makes a decision, maybe they're making the wrong decision. Maybe they got lucky. But I, I don't really th worry about it that much. I mean, for example, you know, if the computer got it right, sometimes it got it wrong a lot of times, then it's not worthwhile. So then it really is guessing. But what if I told you the computer was 95% accurate, but I'm not going to tell you why. Is that going to bother you? Why does it bother you? Because the reality is, and someone wrote a very nice article about this, the really good radiologists, you ask them why, why they say that's a mass, they say because it's a mass. Or why is it this diagnosis? Well, they'll explain a little bit. But it's kind of that and mini. I know what I know because I know that's what it is. I've seen it before and I'm seeing it again. And that's what it is. So we actually have, we demand more from computers than we demand from physicians. The best physician, we always say, okay, my God, the guy looked at the patient, looked at the labs, said, aha, this is what you have. How they came to that conclusion, you may ask them, they may tell you, but it's kind of like your grandmother's chicken soup. If you listen to your grandmother's recipe for chicken soup, it would be horrendous because, well, you put in some water, you put in a chicken, you put in some salt. Well, how much? Well, you put in a little bit of salt. You put in, uh, hold the chicken. You get a, it doesn't make any sense. But the soup always comes out well because in her mind, she knows how to do it. And she does it over and over the same way. You, on the other hand, trying to follow her recipe would basically be getting water that had a chicken running through it a few minutes ago, okay? So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. The same thing is right now, probably all of you read in the newspaper, 
that the lottery, the big lottery, whatever the lottery is, is over a billion dollars. So now it's time for me to go buy a winning ticket. I never buy tickets. And then when I buy them, I never check them. So maybe I won, but I don't know about it. But I will go buy some tickets to, you know, you know if it's the billion to one, you cut it in half, buy it, buy a second ticket. After that, the statistics work against you. Um, now, if someone came to me and said, Elliot, we got this computer, it's gonna give you the six numbers and you're gonna win a billion dollars. I'm not gonna ask, how do you know the thing works? If it gives me six numbers and I win, I don't care how it came up with the numbers. That doesn't really matter to me. All I wanna know is that it came up with the right numbers. And same thing with AI. If AI is 95% accurate, but I don't know why it is, I don't really care. If I'm 85 and it's 95, I love it, okay? There's no issue. I'm not really worried about that. That's really the important thing. Okay, so we're running out of time. Does anyone have any questions? So let's see, Saf Aldorfi, which I probably killed the name. Is it Sana University, which is in Yemen? So I hope everything is good there. And um, let me see who else is here. Carlos Espinoza, who's from Mexico, and hope. Uh, Things are well there. Uh, um, you know, hopefully, hope I'm, I'm, I know it's probably very hot in Mexico this time of year. I'm sure it is. Um, you know, Abby is checking in from Town. Uh, um, Town, for those of you who don't know, is kind of about 20 miles from downtown Baltimore, so it's kind of northwest Baltimore, very nice part of uh, Maryland. Um, I think everybody rather be not so much in Ricerstown or where I live, Owings Mills. Everyone would rather be in Ocean City or someplace like that on the beach. But uh, we are where we are. And um, so if no one has any questions, I will stop there. Uh, again, in terms of some information, there are lectures we have on CTSS. There's also on the front page of CTSS uh, this whole elaborate uh, AI section. You could look at different topics in AI. You could look at specific topics. You could also look in the um, monthly Perl section, which will be up on the first, the most new, the newest one. It has all of the really good computer generated computer articles uh, that I think are worthwhile for radiologists or for technologists to read. So you can do that as well. And there's Amar Javad. Amar, you Amar is finishing his paper on. Uh, I uh, hope he's not finishing it right now while he's driving, unless he has maybe, uh, he has a, uh, a Tesla and is doing auto driving, but uh, I don't think he has a Tesla. But he's on I-95, so Amar kind of zips back and forth between uh, Maryland, uh, Johns Hopkins, and NYU. So, and also we congratulate NYU. NYU was rated number three, and U.S. News and World Reports for best hospitals. Uh, NYU, NYU used to be in the 20s. Now it's number three, and if it was a, a, a song, remember in the old days, song Billboard 100, they would have a, you would have a, you would have a certain number where you were on the Billboard charts with an asterisk, which means you were on the way up, um, because sometimes you were number 20, and then you'd end up number one two weeks later. But I would say NYU is number three with an asterisk, so it's on the way up, but not that far to go when you're number three. Hopkins finished tied for fifth with UCLA and Mayo Clinic again has won. Congrats to all the folks at Mayo Clinic and that's the Mayo Clinic Rochester. And Mayo Clinic, I noticed when I look, had Mayo Clinic Rochester and at the bottom of the top 20 was Mayo Clinic in Arizona. So Mayo uh, is the only, I think the only institution 
that actually had two places on there. I guess perhaps you could say uh, Mass General was there and Brigham, and I guess they merged or something like that, or they're merging, so perhaps they're also the ones that are together. And uh, you also notice that we were tied, Hopkins was tied with UCLA, and uh, Cedars-Sinai, which is also in uh, California, in Los Angeles as well, finished number two. So LA has two of the top five hospitals in the world. So that's pretty impressive for a city. New York has a bunch of them, NYU obviously, and I think, I think uh, Cornell is in the top 20. I'm trying to think what else is, but uh, so uh, congrats to LA and congrats to everybody who works in all those fine institutions because at the end of the day, it's the work that you do that really defines why the institutions do well. I also will give my annual complaint. U.S. News and World Reports does the best they can, and I have no argument there or whatever they come up with. But what I, I sent letters in the past, maybe I'll send another letter. I don't understand how they can leave out radiology and pathology when determining the best hospitals. You ask any clinician, any surgeon, any, any uh, internist, any, anybody will tell you that so much of the quality of a hospital is dependent on the radiology department and the pathology department. So to rate a hospital without looking at radiology and pathology really is kind of, you know, rating a restaurant but not counting the uh, appetizer and the dessert. Okay, you got some idea by the main course or maybe the salad, but if you want to be accurate, you need to have all the information. And I remember they answered, people have written articles, and they've answered in the past, the ACR complained, I'm sure. They said, well, radiology, pathology, people have to go there, it's in the hospital, they have no choice. But that's kind of a silly thing, okay? Because the question is, who is the best at what they do? But nevertheless, U.S. News and World Reports, take a look, you'll see a lot of interesting stuff. But anyway, for me, I think I wanna wish everybody a great day, and hope everyone, um, um, Keeps cool. Okay, bye guys.